0: Welcome in to another episode of the Fantasy Football RPG Podcast. I am your commissioner, Corey, also known as Bittner Steel, and I am joined once again by Evan, or EP Low on Sleeper. Evan, thank you for joining us once again to uh, round off our cornerstone rankings.
1: Yeah, I think it should be a good one. I think we're going to move a little bit quicker through the, the guys this week and uh, hopefully make it a little bit more of an abbreviated, more condensed show. Yep, we got to get through uh,
0: wide receivers and tight ends this show, so i uh, going to try to not go on too many tangents. Uh, apologize in advance if uh, we can't stick to that, though. We'll try our best. That's about all we can say. Um, I am indeed a little bit uh, not on my complete A-game, I will say. I, I'm recovering from a bit of a hangover that I sustained Uh being at Renaissance Fair all day yesterday, drink a lot of mead and that uh that honey based stuff, man, that that leaves a killer hangover, lots of sugar and those things, but it was a hell of a time. Um with that being said, I am nursing that with more beer. Um, and I am on, so this is called the War Child, and it's by a local brewery called Georgetown, uh, which is in Georgetown. Uh, I don't know if you can see the can there, it's just like. Blue orange-ish can uh, IPA, pretty high alcohol. It's like eight percent, um, but it goes down a lot smoother than that, which is dangerous for me. This is my third of the day, so uh, should be a really good show, I imagine. Uh, and I, I spied something over there that you got. What are you working on over there?
1: Yeah, I got a uh, Tennessee Barrel Works. Um, got a blonde ale from them. They got this cool little old guy on the on the can okay yeah so local local brewery and try and support local when i can when i'm drinking that's cool we're both working with local ones that's uh that's fun that's very As nice. i say if I'm, not, if I'm not drinking some something local then you can usually find me drinking a coors banquet okay yeah yeah i uh i go for like the uh the
0: miller highlife uh when i want to get a little fancy you know but also go with something a little more mainstream but no i respect the banquet that's that's a fine beverage What gets me bummed out, though, man, about uh, the local beers is when I'm on with friends uh, talking shop about beer specifically, and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, I got this uh, Connecticut exclusive, like, uh, East Coast IPA, and I'm like, that's cool. I'll never have that. Like, I wish I could could sample some of those, but it's not in the cards, unfortunately.
1: Right? You just got to get some private jet experiences going, you know, and just (laughs) fly over just for the beer, right? I've actually thought about uh,
0: going to different states just to sample some beverages. Obviously, there's other uh, other amenities you can uh, work in there as well. But really, just getting local local beers, just uh, getting a good taste going there, that always seems like a fun idea for me.
1: But you know, I-, I was gonna say if if I ever got to the point where I just had so much money that I just didn't know what to do with it i would want to and i don't even know if it's actually possible but i would want to sample 50 beers that are brewed in each of the 50 states that's
0: actually such a cool bucket goal like that's such a cool like yeah i really like
1: that i'm into that for sure i I don't know if like hawaii and like alaska like do they even have 50 types like 50 different names of beers
0: i'd i'd bank more on alaska having that but i could be surprised i don't know um yeah that's interesting though even if they don't have 50 i guess just uh if you if they have like less than 50 that just means that you can sample all of them which is its own fun thing um maybe that could be once we get rich from uh rpg podcasts, we can have a new podcast where it's Evan and Corey go to different states and have 50 beers.
1: Man, yeah, you wouldn't have to pull my leg too hard on that one. Like I <laughs> that will sounds be, like a good time. That sounds like a real good time. I, I was gonna say, and you know, I can even keep working for my government job because I get so much time off that I can just be like, hey guys, I'm out. I'm going on a flight. Yeah, there you go, man. Yeah, I get I get PTO. I'd have to save it up a little bit, but
0: uh I could make it work for sure.
1: Yeah, I get like over 40 days off a year. Hell yeah.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll start I'll start working in plans for that. Um, we'll have to work on a name. Um, Corey Nevins Beer Across America. I don't know. We'll, we'll work on it. <laughs> but uh, not to delay any further, we do have quite the show to get to. We'll go ahead and segue into our football talk. Uh, there are a couple no- news and notes items that we should uh we should get through real quick some some interesting stuff uh lots of other training camp notes but uh I think we're still kind of trying to wade through the noise a little bit there so I think the biggest news item that has come out since we talked last has been this uh this Watson suspension judgment here the uh, the independent judge ruled that a six game suspension was warranted and uh, looks like that was pretty much immediately appealed by the NFL, um, we're still waiting on that decision. I don't know if you've heard about like any sort of timeline on when we're gonna get a decision there, but even if we do, it's likely that Watson's just gonna appeal back. So what what do you think happens here? Like, it, it feels like we're just going in this consensus like circle of uh, a, a ruling is made, appealments made, appealments made. Are, are we just appealing all year, are we,
1: are we looking more towards a, a Watson full-year suspension? Uh, I was going to say the last thing that I heard about it was that he is accepting the six games, and he will sit out the first six games of the season, um, neither here nor there, regardless of what the rest of the suspension is. Um, but the rest of it comes down to, will he have to file a federal lawsuit against the NFL? Um, so if they raise the suspension and raise the fine, any absorbent amount, um, then he has the right to put that appeal into a federal judge, um, federal appeals process, um, and basically sue sue the NFL uh, for that. But yeah, my my understanding is that he'll he'll take the six games, he'll sit those out, and then it's just a question of whether he gets put on the NFL exempt list um, or. If he ends up coming back and playing, but it does—it right. does sound like the NFL wants to make uh, make a statement with with this case.
0: Yeah, the the last thing I heard is that they they are appealing with the goal of of suspending him for the whole year. Um, which you know, if you made any moves between the uh, the six game news and uh, hearing that they might be going for a full year, you might be pretty disappointed right now. But yeah, we're really just kind of again. It's been really tough with this news item man it's it's just a lot of wait and see we can project and project and, and guess all we want but until you know more things get ironed out until we hear what the uh, the NFL decides to do until we hear if he we can't forget like he can always just be put on the exempt list that that's always just a possibility that just happens um in which case that's that's indefinite uh, essentially so um we really just got to wait and see on that and once we do have concrete answers here we're still definitely game to have a a more brown centric show so that we can sort of tell you guys how we're how we're viewing the browns players with or without uh the six game year long whatever it might be kind of suspension Uh, but for now it's just wait and see and, and hopefully we have uh more information soon but there is just One other piece of this story I wanted to mention, as of this week, I thought this was pretty, I don't know if funny is the right word, certainly ironic. Apparently Cleveland is hosting the 2022 National Massage Therapist Convention. (laughs) So uh, massage therapists across America are presumably meeting (laughs) in Cleveland to uh, showcase their skills i'm not actually sure what they do at the convention i'm not sure if it's mostly just uh them you know meet and greeting and i guess discussing different massage techniques or or technology or whatever but the fact that they're hosting this in cleveland uh with sean watson sort of uh ingrained in there now is just a very awkward news uh piece to this that i wanted to include just uh just
1: for the kicks well i was gonna say kind of riffing off that a little bit There was a a recommendation from Sue Robinson that if Deshaun were to get massages in the future, it should be on team facilities with a massage that is vetted by the team.
0: That's a very... Wow. I I can't believe he'd never thought about that before. What a wise suggestion. Um, Very, very smart. Would save a lot on these uh, private jet costs, too. uh, Flying women out and stuff, uh, with all the, uh, controversy about billionaires and their private jet trips, um, might want to, uh, lax on that, Watson, uh, Deshaun, if you're listening, yeah, maybe just, uh, take the team up on their on-site staff and just, uh, <laughs> save money there, uh, <laughs> uh, uh
1: moving, moving on from that
0: topic, <laughs> on from that is what I was going to say, um, I guess the second biggest news piece here, I know I woke up to this and was like, it, it was this whirlwind of, I thought it was one thing, it ended up being another, but just the news headline of the Dolphins being docked a first round pick next year and uh, a third round pick in 24. I think everyone, when they heard that, was like, oh wow, so the tanking thing, the the Brian Flores thing, that ended up having some sort of provable result here, but that ended up not, Allegedly being the reason that the NFL came with this uh, with this pick forfeiture, it ended up being illicit conversations that the Dolphins were having with Tom Brady uh, while he was still on the Patriots and on the Bucks, uh, as well as conversations they were having with Sean Payton when he was still the, the head coach with the Saints. And I guess the the crux of the suspend or the uh, the forfeitures here were that they did they did not receive permission. be having these conversations with uh with tom brady or with sean payton uh, from their respective teams i don't know i still think like I, i smell a little bit of uh they're trying to you know punish the dolphins without punishing them with things that would necessarily make the league look too bad and really like punish them for things that the dolphins can really only be blamed for uh but who knows on that i do find it really funny though something that i read I think all first round draft pick forfeitures have involved Tom Brady in some way or form. There've been three total and they've all they've all had to do with Tom Brady, which is a kind of a funny, weird stat there. But uh yeah, I mean the the Dolphins does this mean I, I'm not exactly familiar. Do they have any first round draft picks next year then?
1: Was that their only one? No, they they still have the Niners first round pick from the Lance trade. Okay. Gotcha. So, depending on where the Niners
0: place this year, which you know could could be uh could be a, a lower end draft pick, could be a mid round draft pick or mid uh kind of mid section draft pick. Uh, definitely won't be a high one. Um, but the Dolphins pick would also probably be in that mid range. Um, I wouldn't expect them to have a particularly high draft pick. So. I mean that's pretty major still. Like it's a first-round draft pick um, in a in a class that is pretty loaded. So I'm definitely you know I don't think that this is nothing. But as a as a team, I mean I don't think it has many like fantasy implications too much. Um, like going into next year, the Dolphins do seem like they have you know a lot of really good pieces. I know that a lot of people think that Dolphins are are going to be fairly competitive this year and not much should change next year, but losing that first round pick either way is, is
1: you know, pretty big deal. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it really paints them into a box next off season. Uh, if they want to move for a veteran quarterback, because they realize Tua's is okay, but he's not good enough to get them there. Uh, having those two late projected late first round picks, would have gone a long way packaging up along with Tua to be able to go get a veteran quarterback. I mean, we look at the halls that Stafford was traded for. We look at the halls that Russ was traded for. um, Going to get that quote-unquote elite like playoff run quarterback isn't cheap, even in older ages. Um, So it basically takes them, in my opinion, out of that running without severely mortgaging the future yeah that's that's actually a
0: really good point yep so uh kind of forces them to have all their eggs in the two a basket so we'll see how that goes I've, i've been hearing great things about his camp but you know camp noise how much can you trust it um moving on from that though uh with some pretty downer news man like we have this story come out that that Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, is arrested for criminally speeding in Arizona. And to me, when this story hit, man, I was like, really, like we're we're what a year removed from from Henry Ruggs and that um, absolute travesty. He he gets clocked moving 125. You know, I just I, it's hard for me to even. Um, I mean, let alone begin t- trying to justify it, just just wrapping my head around the fact that you can be this this irresponsible. Um, when, you know, I guess for football reasons and and to a lesser extent, fantasy reasons, like he, he was kind of the the one hopeful wide receiver star kind of player on the Cardinals with Hopkins out for six weeks. Um, this just really like does a, gives them a pretty big dent um, in their receiving core, uh, you know, given uh, Hollywood gets suspended, which we don't know for sure one way or another yet, but I have a hard time seeing a world where he doesn't get suspended for at least a, a couple games, right? Um, we'll see, like, what the trial, like, what what the details are on that. Maybe it's too far away that it won't be this year. That's always possible, but I don't know, man. It, it just seems... Uh, Obviously, very irresponsible, but it it does the team in pretty hard if uh, if that suspension does come in this year at the same time that Hopkins is suspended.
1: Yeah, I mean, if if the suspension does come in that quickly, um, then yeah, I mean, that's that's an issue for that entire offense. It's an issue for Kyler. It's an issue for a lot of things, and I 100% echo what you're saying there, Corey. Like from what we just saw with the situation with Rugs seeing somebody just just speeding that that badly like that far over the speed limit and being that irresponsible like if you have as much money as they're getting paid go buy yourself a driver like just pay somebody full time to be your driver
0: if the thrill is you want to drive really really fast in your own car take a trip over to germany get up on the autobahn and, and go wild Like, you have that option.
1: You're incredibly wealthy. Or just go to Vegas and rent a supercar there and rice it around the speed track. Like, Scottsdale isn't that far from Vegas. It's a quick little drive up there. You want to drive a supercar. You want to drive super fast. All right, sure. Go 200. Like, do it at your own risk. Don't put other people at risk for it. But.
0: And that's like the one thing I've been seeing where it's not it's not anyone like defending him, but it's more of like a a meme thing where people are like, Oh, well, like, what are you going to do in Scottsdale? Like, there's like not much to do. But I mean, that defeats the argument, right? That you're, you're an hour, two hours away from Vegas, man, just go, just go up there and, and get all that, that stuff out, man, you don't need to be putting other drivers at risk, uh, driving on on a freeway at that, at that kind of speed, man, especially with what, with what you have to lose. Um, especially after we witnessed firsthand the, the worst case scenario with, uh, with that kind of decision-making I'm, I'm surprised at this point that it hasn't come out that he was, you know, under the influence or, or anything worse than just the speeding. Um, you know, it, it could have been obviously much, much worse, but, uh, stay tuned for more news on that. Like I said, no, no information currently, other than he was arrested. He was back with the team at training camp the next day. I believe which is kind of crazy but uh yeah we'll uh we'll definitely keep you guys informed if we uh get any more info uh next piece of news here is uh deontay johnson got extended he got a he got a nice little two-year contract um i'm not sure if people were sort of up or down on on the length here and only being two years i mean Seems a little short. Seems like the Steelers can easily kind of uh, get out from under him in a few years if they don't uh, get the return that they're looking for, for for this kind of investment. But I think a lot of people are also worried that he just wouldn't really be uh, available, potentially, um, that he might, you know, hold out or whatever. So this kind of puts that to bed. Uh, you can count on Deonta Johnson being that uh You know, most likely number one target for the Steelers,
1: whoever the quarterback ends up being there. Well, uh, there's a lot of guys this offseason, if you look at them in average annual value, that got more than Deontay Johnson. We look at, right off the bat, Brandon Cooks, Mike Williams. Uh, Is Deontay better than Brandon Cooks and, and Mike Williams? Yeah, probably. Like, the next one up the chain is Chris Godwin coming off of an acl tear dj moore terry mclaurin all of those guys i mean i think you can make an argument that Deontay is more valuable to the steelers than any of those guys are to their their teams um so i think it's really interesting to see how much he actually did get paid Uh, i also think it's really interesting that he only took two years because you look at that and that means he's going to be 29 when he can get back to free agency and at a 29 year old season, he could probably sign another three, four year contract and get his final large payday. So I think that's really interesting. Good on the Steelers for walking it up. I do think that that likely means the end of chase Claypool. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, maybe it's not the end of chase Claypool, but I think it is signaling towards the end uh, for Claypool in Pittsburgh, yeah, i i could I
0: could definitely see that. I could see the the Steelers folk, like honing in more on they they keep Johnson and they let Claypool go, and they really focus in on making Pickens a staple of the offense. So they really focus on Fryermuth, uh becoming that that big body that Claypool like could sort of you know facade himself into being. Um, but I, I think that. To me, Claypool, uh, yeah, does become a little redundant. I, I, it's, it seems pretty clear to me now that Claypool might not be uh, the fit that they were looking for there, um, and that they're they're starting to realize that. So we'll see how that all ends up going. But yeah, I, I definitely, I tend to agree with you on that. I think that it could actually end up being a good thing for Claypool, um, it, depending on the situation he he might go to next. But you know. Those are all projections. We'll see what what happens. Uh, moving on from that, though, we have one last thing here. Just a very quick thing because, like I said before, we don't want to hone in too hard on the camp noise. It's it's a lot of blurbs out there. It's a lot of guys, you know, facing uh, second string corners and safeties, and you know, it's it's a lot of eyeballs that all have different perceptions, but. I thought it was kind of interesting with Aaron Rodgers talking up uh, Romeo Dubs. Um, you know, this guy is a, a fifth round draft pick, I believe. Um, and Aaron Rodgers is, is going out of his way to mention the the explosive plays that he's putting together, the the wow plays that he's making in camp. Um, and from everything I've read, it is a very rare uh, occurrence for Rodgers to make those kinds of statements for his uh, rookie wide receivers. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, The Packers certainly need someone to to step up there. It can't just be Alan Lazard out there. I don't think he can carry the offense like Devontae Adams could. You know, that's interesting to me. I think with that news, I haven't really looked, but it feels like Dubs will go up in in ADP here um, in rookie drafts and stuff. Maybe see him in like the late second, might be like the kind of the new like cap is what i might you know i i might take him in the late second maybe you know depending on who's there that's kind of how i'm feeling personally
1: yeah i think it's interesting to hear um very much agree that rogers doesn't typically say much about rookie wide receivers um so that is interesting inside of itself and I think it's interesting for Christian Watson as well. I mean, he's dealing with a knee injury right now in camp, so that's important to realize as well. Um, so something to something to monitor there. And 100% agree. You know, we we see Alan is hard. We see what he's he's been doing, and as uh, crazy as it is to say, he's the wide receiver one right now in Green Bay. Um, Sammy Watkins will probably play three weeks.
0: He'll have his miracle first week uh, as his tradition where he puts up like two touchdowns and 98 yards uh, and then he'll pull his hamstring and he won't
1: be relevant the rest of the year. So um, I, think, I think it could could lead to a lot more running the ball, um, which Matt LaFleur definitely wants to do uh, in Green Bay which could lead to a quote-unquote down statistical year for Aaron Rodgers. Could be. Yeah. No, I definitely agree, too, with
0: uh, with Christian Watson, man. He's pretty much going the way of, of not a draft candidate for me. Um, I would much rather, you know, wait and see if he kind of can't pull it together this year and uh, try to buy him cheap next year if I'm feeling like that is a uh, is a decent window to do so I'm, I'm just not feeling like taking him over like you know i wouldn't take him over sky Moore. i wouldn't take him over george pickens um i wouldn't take him over dotson so yeah he's definitely starting to fall a bit uh for me there but uh yeah that's that's basically all the the big news items uh i had on the list like i said lots more just training camp buzz but uh I think it would just do us better to kind of just keep monitoring all that information, just keep uh, uh, correlating it and and you know come to the table. Maybe one of these shows was just kind of our big takeaways from from training camps rather than like keep everyone informed of every single piece of buzz that comes out because that could be uh that could be its own show. But taking us to the kind of the centerpiece here. Uh, as we sort of preface, we're really going to uh, we're really going to get into the the rest of our cornerstone rankings here. We're going to try to get through our wide receivers and our tight ends. Uh, we have ten wide receivers on the board for for Evan and I, and we're doing uh, five tight ends apiece. Yeah, I think let's just go ahead and and get into the swing here. Um, I will briefly mention that I put my list together. With a little bit of a caveat where I still was like, I'm still kind of trying to look at some of these guys. Um, I'm just kind of putting them on my list so that I can review tape and and kind of look into them more and look at stats and stuff like that. And I ended up not changing it too much, even after I uh, did a little more deep diving. And uh, to that effect, I have not looked at Evan's uh, rankings at all. So it'll be a nice little surprise for me to see uh, how we measure up here. But uh, coming off first of the first on the board here for me, I don't know how much of a surprise it will be. Uh, it's Jamar Chase, man. What can I say about Jamar Chase that people don't already understand based on his current ADP in uh, in startups? Uh, he is a ultra young, ultra proven in a top offense stud wide receiver. He's in this high powered Bengals offense playing with his college quarterback, Joe Burrow, who has already shown by going to a Super Bowl that he's an incredibly prolific quarterback that is still also very young, that is going to continue to take steps and uh, improve. And what that means for Jamar Chase is just more opportunity, more accurate passes, uh, better developed scheme. I think that chemistry can only go up, can only get better. And I just, when I'm looking at ranking the top wide receivers, I don't know how you don't put a guy uh, in these three classes of uh, 2021, 22, and 23, uh, the guy that has got out there, done it, and has the most runway to continue doing it and to continue becoming even better, which is almost hard to even imagine for... A guy that came into his rookie year and finished as a as a top five wide receiver. I can't remember his exact placement, but yeah, Jamar Chase man, guy, guy plays hard, guy plays swaggy. Uh, and I'm happy to put him at my number one wide receiver.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you. Jamar Chase, number one on Cheers. the corner nice. wide receiver rankings. It's pretty, pretty easy, pretty self explanatory. He had a 12.6 a dot. Average depth of target, that's huge. Uh, He had a eight yak per reception last year. So he was getting eight yards after the catch per reception last year. That's also huge. And then he averaged 18 yards per reception, which was second most in the NFL. Yeah. So second highest yards per reception uh, in the NFL. So he's a downfield threat more valuable in standard formats instead of PPR formats, but still super, super valuable in all formats. Interesting question. It's not a guy that is obviously on
0: our list, uh, because of the the classes that we're ranking, but the big comparison here, especially for dynasty startups is always uh, Jamar Chase or, or Justin Jefferson.
1: Do you, do you have a preference between those two guys? Uh, I personally like Jamar Chase, just because I know he's going to be with Joe Burrow longer uh kirk cousins you know is getting up there up there further up there in age and i also question you know whether that chemistry is going to stay there whether they'll bring someone else in with c1 rotating out so yeah cool we can go ahead
0: and uh go to number two here uh and number two for me is uh another guy that that came out of the same class uh jalen Waddle. um I, I love this kid. Uh I think that he really put it together. He broke records. He put it all together his rookie year. Uh with Tua kind of like still sort of getting his feet under him with Brian Flores. Um, you know, say what you want about him. He 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 was fired. Um, so that kind of like coaching turmoil, uh, I think could have played a part in uh not exactly having the the offense geared up uh specifically for Waddle to succeed but he went out there and he succeeded anyway man they they took him with a top 5 draft pick um so crazy high draft capital so they're they're going to be relying on him to be a centerpiece of this offense for years to come um and i just really love the the eye candy here when you watch games and when you watch the receptions that he makes uh, there's just so many plays that he made that were just so fun and so uh dynamic um that it's hard for me to imagine you know sure tyreek hill comes in tyreek hill is going to be a centerpiece he's going to take a little bit away from waddle but i think it's also going to create different kinds of space for waddle i think that they can both eat as long as tua can can keep up the ramping up and and taking bigger steps uh towards being a successful nfl quarterback um i think waddle has a has a crazy high ceiling and, and a very bright future so the fact that i've already seen it with him makes me go ahead and slot him in that that number two uh ranking
1: okay so i think that's understandable uh i personally have waddle a little bit lower uh and i actually have jersey drake as my number two and uh, so drake london i absolutely love him 6'4", 215 pounds, uh, was a former USC basketball player as well. Knows how to position his body well, uses his body very, very well. On contested catches, separates very well at the line of scrimmage, separates very well at the point of the catch, at the top of his routes. Middle of his routes, okay, yeah, I get it. Some people say that he doesn't separate that well. Well, look at him off the line and look at him at the top of his routes. You don't need much of a window to be able to throw this ball, throw the ball to him. And you can put it above the catch frame of most DBs. And you can very easily expect him to come down with the ball Uh, when you throw the ball up. I mean, his previous quarterbacks have said when we throw the ball up in a jump ball situation, we're expecting a 70-30. Like, it's not a 50-50 ball. It's a 70-30 ball. And we're expecting Drake to come down with it. Uh, And I think of him a lot. And I'm kind of pulling from a couple years ago, you know, more from my youth days growing up. uh, Vincent Jackson, uh, wide receiver for the Chargers back in the day. Uh, That is the type of wide receiver. And honestly, that is the type of offense that I'm fully expecting out of Atlanta where it kind of ran through antonio gates back in the day so it's going to run through kyle pitts and then you're still going to have that elite outside option in drake london as they did have in vincent jackson i think Vjax is a great comparison yeah no the more
0: i look into drake london the more i like him the reason why he's not as high up in my list there's other reasons but it's mostly just the falcons in general and, and the qbs under center there but uh, before we get to that, I'll take you to number three. um Like I said, I'm just trying to kind of get through all of these. as we have to get through tight ends, also, um, if you're wondering why these are a little more concise, that's why. Um, but number three for me is this, this one. I think I might get a little bit of a a flack from you for it. I think it might be a little spicy, but I really I fell in love with Traylon Burks, man. I he was one of the first wide receivers I really started digging deep into of this draft class and just what I saw from him, man, he's just such a physical dude. And he's, he's the kind of wide receiver that for better or worse, rather than trying to uh, you know, sidestep around a guy, he's going to put his shoulder into a guy and make the dude regret that he tried to tackle him. Um, And I, I love the the capital that the Titans invested in him, trading AJ Brown for him to to move up to go grab him, uh, to to spend that first round draft capital on him. I know there's people that that heard the asthma stuff and and you know might have concerns there about him. It to me it's pretty negligible. I think that with an NFL caliber medical team, they're gonna be able to figure out. the the ways to use him, make sure he's hitting the inhaler when he needs to. And the one, (laughs) I think the big uh, takeaway for me here is the note that I put next to Traylon Burks' name on my list is just monster in all caps. This dude is a monster. He's super fun to watch. I think he's going to be super fun to have on your Dynasty team. What can we say, man? I'll just call my shot here. I think Traylon Burks is going to be special, and he is number three for me in my list.
1: I think that's very fair. I mean, I'll touch more on Traylon later on. Uh, my number three is Jackson Smith and Jigba. He was the best wide receiver on Ohio State last year uh, by a significant margin. Uh, they had two first round wide receivers. So, ipso facto, he is probably going to be a first round wide receiver and probably go very early. There's been multiple mocks that have him as a top five pick. Uh, which historically wide receivers that go as a top five pick turn out very, very well. Um, He had over 1,600 yards last year at Ohio State sharing the wide receiver crew with Olave and with Garrett Wilson. Uh, So if he does stay healthy, I think we can look for a 1,700, 1,750 uh, type of yard season from him. Uh, And you look just in November. So November alone, he had 60 receptions for 958 yards and six touchdowns. And that was in five games in November last year. So absolutely took over for the Buckeyes in November and put the team on his back and said, let's go, guys. I mean, he was almost averaging 200 yards a game.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, he, he definitely put some very impressive performances together he's on my list just not that far up and uh you know it gets kind of I think the the four five six for me are where I had the most trouble ranking these guys because they're all very very close for me even though they're kind
1: of um different players but and then real quick let let me just when I see Jackson Smith and Jacoba play I think of Roddy White okay so that's 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 my my guy that i kind of kind of think of him as uh when i watch him play yeah you're nailing these
0: uh these comparisons man that 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 seemed pretty good to me okay cool yeah let's let's keep on on moving ahead here uh my number four slot so i had jackson up here um at one point i did but the more and more i watched of kesho Butte, man he just kind of kept sliding up and up and up for me. To be honest, it really came down to the catches that he was making where I saw him, like, you wouldn't surprise me if you told me that he got caught having, like, sticky glue on his on his gloves, man. Like, he just has this amazing ability to catch these passes. And uh, the the hand-eye coordination is another thing that really stuck out to me where you could see him tracking the ball and just put it right in the soft spot of his hand and just perfect catches. He also, you know, he's not the the biggest dude. I think he's like right at six feet, uh, but he, to me, plays bigger. He He looks and seems bigger on the field when he's like throwing guys around and, and pushing himself into guys to make, uh, catches. He's just very physical, but also he's hella fast. He's like running, he's outpacing all of these guys. Like, I have to imagine he's got to run like a 4 4, 4 3 9, 4 3 8, something like that by the way he was moving his body. Plus, I mean, that that five star name power, man. Like, who, what commentator is it going to get excited by yelling booty? Like, when he makes a great catch, uh, makes a great touchdown catch in the end zone, man. I I really like the way that he performed on the field. I really like the way he went up and caught balls. I think that like his jump, he had that kind of jump that he sort of floated there for a while, like in his jump, I, I have to imagine he's going to have an incredible vertical leap. Um, I just think the, the dude's a physical specimen, man. And it, it really seems like he's going to be the focal point of his offense. So he, he did, like I said, narrowly beat out the next two guys in my list because they were very close but I, I think Keyshawn's going to be another very special player. I think
1: he's got a great shot at going you know, mid-high first round next year. Yeah, so this actually works out very well because Keyshawn Boutte is actually my number four as well. Oh, hey, nice. Hell yeah. <laughs> so he did get injured last year, which is somewhat concerning uh, going into this year, seeing how he's going to ba- uh, bounce back from a fractured ankle, so definitely looking to see that. And I absolutely love his route running. He runs some of the cleanest routes, and he reminds me a whole heck of a lot of Stefan Diggs, which gets me very, very excited mm. for him. Um, so I see a lot of Diggs's game in him, great body control, considered by most a kind of undersized receiver, mm. big and big enough to be able to handle the NFL, but not that like big, big alpha. When you think of, you know, those 6'4", 220 type of wide receivers.
0: Yeah, I, I actually I saw a little bit of like Deontay Johnson's sort of guy where he just he really seemed like a like like you said, crisp route runner. And you know, obviously Deontay had issues with his hands a, a couple years back, but I think he's really worked on that. And he seems to have a lot stickier hands now and make some great uh great catches. So and just like the physicality and and that, that ability to play big, uh, even though it's kind of like on the smaller end, really stuck out to me. That's cool. I like uh, aligning with you on that four slot. That's awesome. Let's go ahead and take it to five, a guy that we've already discussed. And again, a guy that really narrowly, you know, was underneath uh, Boutte for me. My number five is Drake London. Um, I agree with you. His huge frame. He's a powerful wide receiver those 50 50 balls yeah they're going to be more like 70 30s he's going to go up he's going to make some incredible catches uh contested catches he has one of the easiest paths as a rookie to uh the falcons wide receiver one kind of like traylon burks in that way they expended a, a huge amount of draft capital to go get him um he has a pretty incredible body of work where he has shown time and time again he can be the focal point of of an offense when he was uh at usc and uh another guy with with great uh five-star name power with drake london i mean i have to imagine it's gonna be hard for a guy with that kind of name to bust <laughs> but but in actuality man it the real uh rub for me here putting him underneath like burks and, and Boutet was just it's hard for me to get behind the falcons right now i just don't know what the plan going forward is going to be for quarterback. I don't think that Mariota is good enough to sustain a high powered offense where he's feeding London week to week while pitts is is going to be, in my opinion, the guy there and then if Ritter comes in, that's it's like own whole question mark situation where who knows if ritter can can feed those guys um I really do like the weapons that the Falcons are starting to accumulate with these basketball player, super tall, powerful dudes. But until I know, until I have a better feeling about their quarterback under center and who's going to be leading that team, that's kind of just what pushed Drake London down for me a bit. That being said, I still love the dude. I still think he'll be crazy valuable. If the Falcons hit on a quarterback, he could just go bananas. So, uh, yeah, Drake London is that number five
1: spot for me. Just real quick, because I I have Drake projected for 74 receptions for 902 yards and seven touchdowns. So if he were to have that type of season, opinion doesn't change. Knowing that his quarterback is Mariota and potentially Ritter. Yeah, so. I mean, I'm I'm happy for my
0: you know rookie wide receiver to come in, uh, and get a thousand yards. That's that's a nice little milestone for sure. Uh, seven touchdowns, that's cool too. But yeah, man, it, it's it's really just uh, the fear of uh, the Falcons not really being able to get the quarterback figured out in a in a meaningful way for me. That's still kind of nagging at me. Okay,
1: sounds good. And then my number five is Jalen Waddle. So I'm not as high on him, mainly because I'm not as high on Tua as most are. I see Mike Kisecki as well in that offense and immediately think that's a tight end that's going to get targets. He's going to do well in that offense as he has been. He's going to produce. And then I see Tyreek. He's getting $30 million a year. How do you not force feed the ball to somebody getting $30 million a year? And then how do you work hill and waddle into the same offense um is waddle going to go back to being the true deep threat and if he goes and becomes the true deep threat yeah his yards could stay up there his receptions are going to dip so it hurts him from a ppr standpoint so just in my opinion too many too many questions especially with where he's getting drafted i think he's like wide receiver nine off the board right now no, oh, is he really? That's high. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. High. I think I think Waddle, Waddle, and Tyreek are like right around the same in that like nine to eleven range or something like mm. that. Uh, that's that's part of the question for me. Um, mm. And you know, I just a seven point two a dot menial, uh, four point two yards after the catch per reception last year, very average at best. Um, you think of somebody with that much speed, you would think that they would be able to have a better yards per reception or yards after the catch per reception uh, number to them. So that was a little bit concerning. Um, I just think the the value on Waddle is too high right now. Um, so maybe that's influencing that a little bit. He's my number five.
0: Yeah, no, I think a lot of what you said definitely makes sense, especially, I mean, it does hinge a lot on Tua. Man. Um and I think I am in that group where I'm higher on Tua. I think that Tua can still uh I don't think Tua's dead. I, I still think he can definitely take uh steps forward, but that's that's a risk uh for sure because um he hasn't shown it yet. And if he doesn't take a step this year, like you said sort of earlier, it's kind of harder for the dolphins to get off of him now with the forfeiture of the first round draft pick next year. They could still do it they would just have to pay a lot more for it but yeah no i understand completely the uh the two risk there taking it down to number six uh this is where i have uh jackson smith Najibba. uh the jig jigba that's a hard one to roll off the tongue jackson smith the jigba that's where i have him slotted in my number six spot four five and six like i keep saying hard for me to rank they're all very interchangeable for me but Uh to me it just ended up being like uh, some some highlights, lowlights that I saw of Jackson. He had some uh some passes that like went out of his hands. Um he is like a yak monster, absolutely. He like yards off of a catch, that's that's really where he seems to thrive, and that's that's awesome. Um I also noted that he has extremely strong legs, like he can push guys forward uh into the end zone, which I thought was awesome. And also, like you were saying, Evan, he really showed that he could be a safety valve for Ohio State and he can be that guy um, on that highly competitive of a, of a college football team, which definitely lends evidence that he will be highly drafted, highly sought after, and that he will get opportunities right off the bat for whatever team uh, ends up drafting him. I don't know. It, to me, it, it, did, it just seemed like he... He didn't jump off the page as much as Boutte did to me. And I think London beat him out with having that, like, prototypical, like, alpha frame. But, you know, he still sticks on my list. I still think that he'll be, like I said, highly sought after, highly drafted. I, I think he'll be a good asset to to draft. I just think that next year when when it comes down to it, I think I might be pushing the button on Boutte, you know, depending on the landing spot over uh, over JSN.
1: So, yeah, that's that's where he is, six on my list. Yeah, I think that's I think that's pretty fair. Uh, number six on my list is Garrett Wilson. So I like Garrett Wilson, but he does play on the Jets, is a little bit of a concern. Camp reports, which try not to read too much into, but camp reports do have Elijah Moore being the wide receiver one right now on that team. Mm -hmm. So those are both concerning. He does have concentration lapses. Um, So you do see concentration drops with him. That's also concerning. I do like his route running overall. I do like his poise on the field and his body control. Once again, not the biggest wide receiver. And he's just kind of a wide receiver um, from a body type standpoint athletically he's not some crazy athlete well for the nfl they're all crazy athletes compared to us but he's not a crazy athlete for the nfl so overall you know i'm excited about him i'm excited to see what he can do in new york but overall i just can't rank him any higher than six
0: yeah um yeah I pretty much agree. Garrett Wilson is also on my list. I I think that he is probably one of the more well-rounded uh wide receivers um especially in this draft class, but not as well-rounded as the guy I have 7 on my list which is uh Chris Olave. Um dude smooth as the other side of a pillow, man. Wh- whatever that means. <laughs> I I just think that this dude, man, he he has some of the crispiest routes um, that I've watched uh, from guys on this class. He, he just, he does have, you know, his fair amount of issues. I I think that he also might have a little bit of like, a I don't know if I would classify it as like a concentration issue, a focus issue, but it does seem like he kind of needs to get into a good uh, momentum in the games that I've, I've watched him in, but he, he just seems very well-rounded to me. He seems like, he can pretty much do everything you want at least a rookie uh, wide receiver to do. And he's getting a lot of camp buzz. I think that Michael Thomas being like kind of the incumbent wide receiver one sort of on the team. I actually think that that's going to be a really great uh, player for Chris to learn from. I think he has a really good mentor there and that If Michael Thomas ends up not being able to get back to form, not being able to take the reins back as the wide receiver one, I think Chris Olave is it. And I think he's a great match for Jameis Winston if they decide to keep going with Winston, if they decide to move forward and and Winston's able to take the reins there and uh, work on his issues, come back from the ACL tear and be productive. Um, I think that's a great matchup. I think a lot of Jameis Jameis Winston's interception issues came from like timing issues, uh, where they didn't he didn't really have a wide receiver like Chris Olave that can do the things that Chris Olave can do, and I think having that player is going to help Jameis a lot. And I think Chris Olave will will be a valuable guy. I do worry it's it's the Saints, man. Like I'm not going to pretend that losing Sean Payton as a coach is going to do that offense any favors. I'm not going to pretend that Jameis Winston tearing that ACL is going to make Jameis Winston better. But yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with uh, Chris Olave coming in at number seven.
1: righty. so my number seven is Rashad Bateman. Uh, great profile coming oh, okay. out of Minnesota. Really loved him coming coming out of Minnesota. Um, Run first offense, kind of concerning. Second receiving option in that offense, kind of concerning. Uh, But he uncovers really well um, throughout his routes, runs pretty good routes. And whenever the quarterback's scrambling and buying time, he is fantastic and just has a sixth sense for getting open in those situations. Um, So I really like him from those standpoints. And that is why he is my number seven on the list.
0: Yeah, uh, interesting. I, I left, uh, spoilers, I left Bateman off my list. Um, and it, it is mostly, I think, that that run-first Baltimore offense where I don't really trust Lamar Jackson to be able to feed a wide receiver, you know, to the point of fantasy relevance as much as he's going to be feeding Mark Andrews. But I do like Bateman. I, I think that he's a, a solid, like, wide receiver, too, on, on your team. I don't think that he's... Uh, you know, I'm not throwing him out or anything like that um, I definitely am rooting for him to come in this year and take over for for Hollywood and uh, kind of establish himself as the uh, the one there uh, that's that's very interesting good to know taking it to number eight for me this is where I have Garrett Wilson but um, yeah pretty much what you were saying you know I think he's very solid um, I think that he makes great catches his his college tape is uh is spoken for you know to me it comes down to he is on the jets and and i have high hopes for the jets i think personally zach wilson takes a step forward but um i also think that elijah moore is going to be the number one there um i think they now have two pass catching running back options with Brees hall and michael carter so i think that's kind of uh maybe less opportunity shared there and uh, you can get a good laugh out of this one i'm not i'm not sure if denzel mims is dead yet i i don't know i very likely that he is but very very likely i know i know i know very likely that he is dead okay but look i think that a lot of dynasty aficionados will confess fairly easily that wide receiver is a position that that can take a few years to ramp up to and then they'll, they'll turn around and they will th- discount or throw out uh, a Denzel Mims and be like, this guy is worthless. He's only been the, the league a couple of years, man. And he's right in that time slot where I would, this is his make or break here, is what I would say. And, you know, he has come out and claimed that he is working his butt off. He's come out and claimed that he is aiming for a starting position and that could all be completely irrelevant or he can catch, uh, he can get more receptions, uh, more targets his way than people are anticipating. I think that it's definitely a, a clear sign that he hasn't been straight cut. He hasn't been like moved to the practice squad or anything yet, you know, not to mention Corey Davis is still on that team. I just, I think there's a lot of potential there in the wide receiver core, uh, for me to put Garrett Wilson any higher than that above guys like Chris Olave, that to me, you know, has a, pre, a pretty clear path to a, a wide receiver one on his team. Granted Michael Thomas, you know, even if Michael Thomas gets back to form, he's almost 30. Uh, I think Chris Olave is the the heir apparent there. Um, can't put him above Chris Olave. Can't put him above super high prospects coming into the draft next year that are all slated to get drafted, you know, top 10 like Jason or, or uh, Keishan Butte, Um, because I don't think they're going to be going to the Jets. <laughs> I think they're going to maybe be going to better spots. So uh, Garrett Wilson, you know, I think he's, he's still going to be a quality player, but it's just remains to be seen how uh, much of a target share he's really going to see in a, in a Jets offense. That's still a big question mark to me. So he's coming in at a solid eight.
1: Okay. My, my number eight is Traylon Burks down here in Tennessee with me. 5X hands, like, he's got massive hands. You watch him run, and he tries to run through people. Reminds you a lot of A.J. Brown. It's kind of a plug-and-play replacement for him, um, hopefully with less injury concerns uh, than A.J. Brown, unfortunately, was uh, suffering from, and just love the fact that he doesn't shy away from contact, which is the Titans way. You know, (laughs) you got, you got a former defensive player as your, your coach. He loves Mm -hmm. to play tough smash mouth football. Um, And Jalen's even come out and said that he's not afraid to get in there and block. Like he's not afraid to be a blocking wide receiver. Obviously you don't spend a first round pick for him just to be a blocking wide receiver, but you know, He's not afraid to to get in there and punish some DBs. I do, I do love that tough guy offense where
0: you ha- now you have like you did have AJ Brown, but you have Trailon Burks as your wide receiver one, and you have Derrick Henry as your running back one, and you know you have Ryan Tannehill just not knocking heads, dude. He Ryan Tannehill puts together some runs, dude. Like you- you'd be surprised, like people that don't watch much Titans football, with me saying that. Ryan Tannehill runs through people sometimes. He runs through people sometimes. He he can get it done, too, on the ground. So, uh, yeah, no, that is that is a really fun football team. I, I really love watching some Titans football. So I was wondering when we would see Burks. I'm surprised that he's uh that low, but it, it, it makes sense based on what you said about the other guys. Taking it into this 9-10, okay, th- this is where I really just had to kind of go out on a limb. I had to kind of call my shots on the guys that I just – I really thought bounced off the page for me. Um, and for number nine, watching Quentin Johnston, uh, dude, this guy just seems like such a beast. He is a powerful wide receiver. If, if there's a guy that, you know, you would ask me, uh, who do you think is going to be the Drake London next year? He's, he's 6'4", 6'5", 200 pounds. Like, he's just a giant out there. He lo- he's uh, He's kind of like Mo Alley Cox, where it's just like, yeah, he's 6'4", he's, he's only 6'4", but he looks like he towers above everyone and just makes these catches and plays that is just, he, he's like, oh, hey, hey, everyone, I'm your dad, Quentin Johnston. I'm going to be uh making this play over you and uh, you're going to have to deal with it. He's decently fast, like he, he runs up the seam and like at that size, man, he just has me really excited. I know he has like a ways to go in, in improving it. I know that he doesn't have like the largest body of work, but uh, I I just really like the the cut of his jib, man. I think his uh, the big stat that that left out to me was his uh, his yards per reception were insane. I, I was it like twenty, like that that really left off the page for me. Where he tw- twenty yards per reception, like that is that's pretty crazy. That has to be like above the 90th percentile like that that is that is a wicked stat so i i love seeing that um like i said the dude's raw he's number nine on my list everyone i've listed before has uh more evidence for them being uh right away starters right away impactful players but i'm calling my shot man i'm i'm interested I, i'm gonna be following this guy on uh on tcu and and watching where, where he ends up, what he does with this year. So Quentin Johnston, keep your eye on him, number nine for me.
1: I was going to say, if Johnston doesn't hit, like, it's lazy scouting, but I, I just – I'm done with TCU wide receivers. If Johnston doesn't hit, like, oh, my goodness. uh Yeah, Jalen Reger, Josh Dawson, like, I, I – yeah, I just – I can't. I feel just, you.
0: I feel you. No, I totally feel you. I guess i tell myself that this guy's physical profile doesn't match up to those other guys. I think he's just, he just looks more the part of like a, a very prototypical alpha wide receiver. Um, but yeah, when I, you know, I look at these other guys, there's other guys that I definitely like, but I think with my eight, nine, 10 slot, I'm just kind of looking for ceiling and Quentin Johnson, not having been drafted yet. I just see a lot of ceiling potential there for him. So
1: uh,
0: yeah, that's, that's why he's uh, squarely in my ninth slot there.
1: Okay. I have Jamison Williams. So another guy from this year's class, Uh, I think as soon when he returns from the injury and is back to full health, uh, I think he is going to be a fantastic weapon in that offense. Um, Jared Goff, not the quarterback. I want to see throwing him the ball. But likely they'll get an upgrade at quarterback, um, so likely that's in his future. He's coming off of injury, so he's being his value is being depressed right now. He's a more polished route runner than Ruggs, not quite the route runner that Waddle is. Speed to burn keeps defenses honest. Should have big play potential. So if you're in a league that rewards those, you know, thirty plus, forty plus yard touchdowns. That could be another reason to go get him. Um, and I also sneakily think that Detroit could actually be a pretty improved team this year. Hawkinson coming back. The offensive line actually one of the better offensive lines in football. Ross St. Brown coming back for his sophomore campaign, running more of those intermediate and, and short routes um, for him to do. So I think that's going to be cool. Um, Swift coming out of the backfield like the offense has a good bit going for him Um, and the defense still has a lot of work, which I think could lead to more shootouts this year, which could prop up most of the offensive stats for the Lions.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree with you with the Lions. I'm actually pretty, pretty decently high on the Lions um, squarely because of that, that O-line, which I just I think is going to go ham. This year, um if they're not, uh, I don't think I'll come out and say they're the best O line of football. But I think they could easily be a top five O line of football. I think they could even get into like maybe the third slot of the top three. I think that they're they're incredibly talented there. They're really investing the right pieces there. They have a left and right tackle now that are incredibly talented, as well as like a top five center. But what that means also for uh, Jared Goff is that yeah, he's Jared Goff, but, and, and yeah, maybe he's not the best deep pass thrower, but he he can throw the deep ball. And especially when he's given, you know, a year to do so behind a incredible O-line. Um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't hate that slot at all. Um, you'll, you'll see with this next pick that I, I did leave Jamison Williams off my list, but I think he would square right into that, like 11, 12, uh, slot for me. He, he's right behind these other guys. And, to me it, it does come down to um his his route tree is just a little worrisome for me um it does really kind of feel like he's that like field stretcher guy and and i don't know what else he can really bring to the table um he might end up being like a kind of like a deshaun jackson kind of player where he has his big games he has his one long touchdown and then other than that he's kind of a uh, hit or miss, maybe a best ball asset at best kind of guy. Um, The injury, you know, doesn't scare me for his like long term. It does like give me the heebie-jeebies for him coming into his uh, freshman year in the NFL and like trying to establish himself. I think it might be a little more difficult for him to do that. But I still like him. I still think he's valuable. He just didn't quite crack uh, uh, the top 10 for me. Specifically because of his ceiling, I think that he does have kind of a like a hit or miss sort of ceiling. I guess taking it to ten, then uh, I again these last couple, man, I really don't know uh, what your feelings are as a more established college football guy uh, on these guys. But when I watched when I watched Josh Downs, um, I saw Tyler Lockett. Um, That's the kind of player I saw on the field. And if you can get a Tyler Lockett, yeah, like, give give me. Um, Tyler Lockett is obviously another one of those guys that sort of has had hit or miss fantasy weeks. Uh, Fantasy career has been kind of up or down. But he has incredible finishes despite that, man. He has uh, match-winning weeks. He he goes out there and he has incredible uh, performances. And when I watch Josh Downs, he just he has that level of uh, dog in him. And he's a smaller dude like Tyler Lockett is, but he he comes up really clutch with a lot of his catches and looks like a, a fast dude that can that can make corners look silly and be productive. Um, and if I can draft, you know, a high quality like wide receiver two with like a later round uh first or uh, uh early second. Like I'm I'm definitely targeting Josh Downs, obviously depending on where he ends up going, but he's certainly a guy I'm I'm keeping my eye on. Um and so he slots right into that 10 slot for me. Um like I said, Jameson Williams kind of was gravitating around there. I took him in and out a couple times of like the nine ten slot, but I I just think Josh Downs has like a a nice little ceiling for him potentially that I'm definitely interested in.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can understand and I like the Josh Downs pick uh, playing for North Carolina. Last year, he had right around three and a half yards per team pass attempt. So for every pass attempt, he was getting about three and a half yards, which is absolutely huge. And I think led wide receivers, um, at least power five wide receivers uh, last year. So that uh, maybe traylon was up there as well. Um, but I think of him as a lot of, like a T.Y. Hilton type of player with the Colts. So, yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely interesting to see there. Uh, mine, my number 10, maybe a little bit of Eagles homerism uh, and Devonta Smith. So Smitty, uh, absolutely love him. Um, there's a reason that he showed out at Alabama his final year. People say it's because he was senior. Okay sure he was a little bit older than the rest of the competition he was playing against but the man put up over 1800 receiving yards at alabama against the sec Uh, there's something there and he's good like we saw it last year we saw what he produced historically it's a good season for a rookie wide receiver we've just been spoiled over the recent years with you know justin jefferson and jamar chase just And I mean, even Waddle, for that matter, putting up just astronomical numbers, their rookie seasons. Historically, that hasn't been the case. And historically, putting up a 900-yard season is a good rookie season for a wide receiver. So I think that's really important to remember. I do have some concerns with AJ Brown coming to town and Smitty being pushed to the second option in that receiving game. Uh, I do think Jalen Hurts is going to air the ball out a little bit more this year. I think they really want to see what they have um, because if Jalen Hurts isn't it, then they're going to likely look at using their two first round picks next year to go get that quarterback that they want, get that quarterback that they know can lead them to the playoffs. Um, So, I think that's going to be really important. And I think that's going to make for more production Uh, for Devonta Smith. Maybe Dallas Goddard eats into it a little bit. Um, You can make the argument possibly for Dallas Goddard being the second receiving option in that offense. Um, I personally think he's the third, but yeah. So Smitty rounds out my top 10.
0: Yeah, I think think he's the other guy in my like 11, 12, 10, like, sort of machination where I was just kind of rotating guys in. He was definitely a guy I was thinking of uh, putting up there, but yeah, the, the AJ Brown thing is the, the the biggest thing for me that just kind of uh, sends me off of it a bit. I just think that with the, the money they paid AJ and the the connection that Hurts and AJ are trying to consolidate here. I think it's just going to be hard for uh, Devon Smith to be, successful, you know, week over week. Um, not to mention, look, I, I will give him accolades for for being as productive as he was uh, with the size that he has. But I, I also won't lie and say that the size doesn't scare me a bit with how slender he is. But I, I agree with you that, you know, he's still incredibly talented. He had a great rookie year. We'll see what he can do with another uh, wide receiver that isn't uh, Jalen Rager on his team we'll see what he can uh put together you see, you see my bias there where like i'm still uh denzel mims i'm, I'm still a denzel mims maybe but <laughs> rager i'm rager i'm like absolutely not he's done uh throw him out with the garbage yeah no i i definitely feel yeah that that's a guy to not sell out on he can absolutely still be productive Uh, in that offense, granted uh, Jalen Hurts takes another step forward. Uh, But let's go ahead and slide into tight ends. We have less of these, so they should go a little quicker here. Look, again, I haven't looked at Evan's rankings yet, but I think that we will also share the number one slot here because I think it's fairly obvious who the number one from the 21, 22, and 23 classes has to end up being, and it has to be Kyle Pitts. Number one tight end on this list, unquestioned. The dude is just a physical monster. If there is there a word that is monster but more than monster? Uh, uh, Leviathan? Uh, behemoth? I don't know. Uh, but this guy is incredible, and he came out his, his rookie year. As a tight end, it's really difficult, I think, for the most prolific tight end to come out the rookie year and and show out. I mean, it didn't happen for Kelsey. It didn't happen for Mark Andrews. It didn't happen for uh, Gronk. First-year tight ends, like they usually do not, you know, crack into the top, you know, six fancy production tight ends. But here's Kyle Pitts just sitting right there, lingering like a huge monster ghost. Uh, this dude is is incredibly talented, incredibly physical. It's clear that the Falcons are going to take an Antonio Gates-style route with their offense and just funnel it through Kyle Pitts. He is going to be the focal point of the offense, no matter who the quarterback is throwing to him. And to me, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is throwing to him. Uh, he has the wingspan and, and the catch radius to uh, even make inaccurate passes work for him. Um, I'm really excited to see him ramp up as more of a red zone threat this year, and I think he will, especially, I mean, look, say what you want about Mariota, but he made Del- uh, Delaney Walker work wonders uh, when Walker was the, uh, the tight end one in Tennessee. And uh, I, I like Kyle Pitts' profile more than Delaney Walker.
1: So uh, tell me I'm wrong about Kyle Pitts. No, definitely not wrong about Kyle Pitts. I mean, he gave dickas record for tight end receiving yards in their rookie year a run for its money. And he ended the season. Uh, I want to say eleventh in yards per reception, like among all players, like wide receivers and tight ends. Yeah, not just tight ends, not all not players. Just, all, all, yeah, all, all skill positions. So definitely something to be in consideration there. I mean, he's prolific. Ran a sub four five forty at two hundred and forty pounds. Like, come on now. Seeing somebody that big running that fast, you can't put a linebacker on him. You can't put a safety on him. Linebackers are too slow. Safeties are too small. Good luck. Like, maybe the Cardinals have something in Isaiah Simmons. Like, maybe Simmons can actually cover him. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe Shaq Thompson for Carolina can actually cover him. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, like when you
0: are like projecting the amount of targets that Kyle Pitts is going to have, especially with all the leagues these days really centering in on having like a tight end premium, man, those targets are so valuable, and I just I don't see any world where where he can't be that number one guy. So glad we agree there, although it was a little bit of a softball, I feel, uh, because the rest of the guys are all essentially guys that still need to prove it uh, at an NFL level, at least um, because there was no one like Kyle Pitts in in his draft class. And in this most recent draft class, there was certainly no Kyle Pitts level talent. And next year, I still think that, you know, that being said with the second guy, I think he's the next best because, you know, he's second on my list, but I still don't think that he's Kyle Pitts. Um, But second on my list is Michael Mayer. Uh, and I think that's pretty evident by the fact that the sort of consensus is that uh, Michael Mayer, Eric Gilbert, is kind of like the battle there, but you look at Michael Mayer's work, uh, <laughs> his body of work is insane. He got like over 70 receptions, right, This last year for, for a tight end in college. I don't know if he goes in the first round but high second is definitely not outside the realm of possibility for me and depending on the team he goes to if they are tied in needy um I think he could be an instant focal point kind of guy uh, a guy that gets fed targets because he's been proven to be able to consume targets and take them in for many many touchdowns so Michael Mayer he he seems like again sort of a softball obvious choice here but um I would love for you to tell me I'm wrong
1: no, you're you're not wrong. I once again agree uh, with Mayor. Right here is number two. Uh, pretty easy, pretty straightforward. Um, you look at the tight end production out of Notre Dame. They produced some pretty good NFL tight ends. You look at his production in that offense, um, being the second leading second leading yards receiver last year uh, for Notre Dame, and then having the Uh, most receptions for Notre Dame last year as well. So both big things to consider, big things looking forward. Um, It'll be interesting to see metrics-wise how he actually tests uh, at the NFL Combine uh, coming this year. But, yeah, I mean, he has done nothing but produce, produce, produce uh, at the college level.
0: Nailing it, man. Two for two now. Let's go. These were definitely the more shaky uh, rankings for me because, I don't know, it's just, I don't know if this is actually the case, but it does seem harder to, uh, like, look at these 23 tight ends and, like, evaluate them. They just don't have, like, as many, they don't have as much tape. They don't have as many highlights to, like, pick from, so it was a little tougher for me, but when you, like, like I said, man, when you look at the tight ends that were drafted last year and this year... It's hard to not put the guy that had seventy plus receptions in, you know, a competitive uh, conference uh, as a tight end. Like it's hard not to look at that guy and make him your your number two here between the three classes. So feeling good about that. Number three for me uh, coming at number three is the other guy. I'm not sure how particularly close it is. All I know is that when I was doing my research, it was standard to see Michael Mayer and Eric Gilbert mentioned uh around the same mark or or just you know one after the other kind of uh kind of thing. And watching him play, man, he is again a guy that I, I love as like a red zone threat. I think like half the amount of reception that Mayer does. Um doesn't have as many uh red zone targets and that kind of thing. But as like a physical specimen, I mean he's like six six 250 he's a lot faster too than like a guy at that size should be able to move around at so that's really exciting that makes me think that he can really be like uh fine-tuned with his like route running and, and turn into a pass catching threat eventually um i think this guy will like kind of depend on where he ends up going like i i could see them maybe drafting him on a team that already has an established uh pass catching tight end and maybe someone he can like Learn from definitely a guy I wouldn't expect to come out his rookie year and be uh, super productive or anything like that. Like I kind of would expect uh, a Pitts or a mayor to, to come out and be. But I think this is a guy that he could, he could cultivate talent and he can, he can achieve good things uh, depending on where he goes, depending on what kind of steps he takes. So Eric Gilbert seemed like the number three option to me out of this list. Okay.
1: Uh, this might be partial Penn State bias, but I have Pat Friermuth at number three. So I really like what Pittsburgh's doing with their weapons. Quarterback still needs to be figured out. You know, it's a little shaky, um, but I do trust the Pittsburgh coaching staff. And I think Friermuth could be a touchdown and red zone machine. Um, So I really like him from that standpoint. And there's a reason coming out of his sophomore season why people were deeming him baby Gronk, you know, he still needs to work on blocking but he can block um, he has that physical nature to him he plays with reckless abandonment for his his body um which can also be seen in any penn state game that you turn on uh for him and watch him play so i think that's important uh to consider and you know he's sneaky fast for his size uh pretty big pretty big nose type of guy the other tight end for Pittsburgh reminds me Heath Miller a lot of fun to watch um red zone target I think he's better than Heath but I mean he was absolutely loved by the fans um Friar was is a two-time team captain for Penn State so he has the leadership ability to him uh we've seen him lead teams before so really like that in in a tight end uh, to be able to help command the offense and and help the offensive line out
0: yeah I hear you Pat was a guy that I I I try to do a lot of looking into, man, because uh, I know you like him, and I guess I could talk to talk to him a little bit now, just because it'll become fairly obvious that he's he's not on my list. And uh, to me, man, um, I don't know. I I hear you. I I have a decent amount of trust in the uh, in the Steelers coaching staff to get the quarterback right and, and make all that work. Um, I'm just so down on Pickett, man, that it, I, if there's a chance they go with Pickett, I have a hard time seeing friarmouth being being um, like a week-to-week producer while they're also trying to feed, you know, Najee Harris, Deontay Johnson, Claypool, George Pickens. Like, I, I just think there's a lot of – I know the cliche is mouths to feed, but there's a lot of mouths to feed on that offense. And they're in a, a decently tough uh, division, and I think firemouth has like some concerns in terms of his tight, his like touchdown efficiency seemed like pretty wonky uh, last year, and I just I don't know how that translates to uh, another year where the established vet in Big Ben is is gone and the the offense is trying to revamp itself, but. Not talking too much about that, trying to keep the streamlined. I did find it kind of funny that you compared him to Heath Miller because the guy I have next on my list uh, is Trey McBride. And I think he is a like a clone of Heath Miller. He's a guy that I'm very excited for. I think that having a Zach Ertz in front of him is going to do him wonders. He's going to have a guy to really look up to uh, with Zach Ertz being as successful as, as Ertz has been in, in the NFL. Uh going to a team that pretty desperately needs his like skill set, that kind of role that a player can fill once Ertz, you know, can't do it anymore, which is rapidly approaching that that time. He just he really seems like a playmaker to me. Uh he got like a thousand yards his last year in college. I think it was like closer to maybe 1200, which is great on like almost a hundred targets. I I think that he's a guy that I don't know if the offense will ever funnel through him per se, but I think he could end up being like a, like an Austin Hooper was for, for the Falcons kind of guy. Um, I think that he can be a a reliable uh, pass catching threat for the Cardinals. Someone that uh, Kyler Murray can, See uh, above the uh, O line, even with his uh, height, he can sort of peak, like peek out and like stand on his tippy toes and see Trey McBride running a slant route for him and and nail him for a for a good throw. So uh, I like Trey McBride. You know, he he was like a late-ish second-round pick for the Cardinals, but that's still decent draft capital uh, for a tight end. And uh, yeah, I, I I think that he went to a good spot and that he can uh, he can end up being successful once uh, Zach Ertz leaves the building or maybe even
1: before that. Okay. Very fair. Uh, I have Eric Gilbert as my number four on this list. I know you've already kind of touched on him a little bit. Uh, just to reiterate, I mean, freak athlete. He was legitimately being looked at last year um, for the Georgia team as a wide receiver. You know, a tight end converting to wide receiver. He has Ooh, wide receiver.
0: I didn't know that. That's good. I like that.
1: Yeah. So if you actually looked before he took a leave from the team for personal reasons, um, he was actually listed as a wide receiver at university of Georgia um, when he transferred there. So personal reasons, there have been, you know, some mental health things that have gone on in his life. And um, there's been some family issues as well, family things that have gone on. So definitely something to consider from that aspect um but he was the number five overall not number five tight end number five overall recruit in his recruiting class um when he came out of high school so just another thing to remember uh he was a true five-star recruit uh, when he went to LSU and he played for LSU and had uh decent for a, a tight end the He's a freshman tight end. I don't remember the the total yardage right offhand, but it's like north of three hundred yards. I mean, as a true freshman, like yeah. we're talking, a, not even a redshirt freshman, just a straight true freshman coming in. And I mean, coming out of high school, he ran a verified four seven three. So I'm expecting him to get faster from that, and probably run in the four sixes um, when he comes out for the combine maybe maybe low four sixes um i definitely don't think he's as fast as kyle Pitts was in a straight line but he does have a little bit more weight to him uh he does run very fluidly so i, I really like uh, eric gilbert and what he has to pr- what he has to put out there yeah all right i uh
0: you know i think the the move thing is really going to be where we get for here i like hearing that we have kind of like the same consensus guys in the list here um it might change with this one because I, again this one really was an out of left field kind of thing i realize that he is not like a super highly touted he, he just doesn't have that big of a work history but man i think that in terms of ceiling My number five guy, Darnell Washington, is a guy to keep your eye on. Uh, On the Georgia Bulldogs, listed at, I think, I've seen 6'7", and I've also seen 6'8", like 265, 270 pounds. Just monstrous. Just a monstrous man. And just, you know, not, uh, not a huge body of work, like I said. I think he only had, like... 100 something yards last year and, and the year before that it was like 150 but man i think this is a guy that if he can just if he can show out this year if he can take a step forward if uh on this on this georgia O, if he could just really uh rack up some yards here and and show what a physical specimen he is and and bring down some uh some 50 50 balls and then run some some nice routes at I just I think his ceiling is high. I just like the idea of this huge dude just coming in and making these college kids look silly because they can't take him down, they can't block him. Um, that's all, you know, that all remains to be seen. Uh, to be honest with you, realistically, Pat Fryermuth probably should have been my number five, but to me, it goes back to the Steelers and... And just not entirely trusting the the amount of uh uh receivers uh to be fed there not trusting that he can be every week productive um seeing a little bit of like touchstone regression with him um i think that's kind of what edged him out a bit um but uh, yeah i just i really like the potential for darnell washington i think that'll be a really fun player to watch um, if he can show out this year i think that he could start climbing up that drop board pretty good. So, Darnold Washington number 5, baby.
1: So, I guess my my biggest pushback and biggest question on that would be if that's the case, then what's going to happen to Gilbert? Cuz Gilbert's transitioning back to tight end this year. Because he got reps from, you know, scouts and the NFL that were talking to him and said, "Hey, you're going to be more valuable as a tight end than a oversized slower wide receiver." So he's transitioning back there. They have freshman phenom Brock Bowers. So now all of a sudden, is Darnell Washington going to be third on that list at tight end for Georgia?
0: Yeah, I I looked at that too. I I think that I don't think that he'll be third. I, I think he'll be second. Uh, and I know that's you know hard to surmount for him. Um, it's really just based on his ceiling for me, his size and, and what that could translate to potentially. Um, and I think also it, it will take some like two tight end sets and and that kind of thing to really make him uh show out. I I I think that's completely fair. I think it's a shot in the dark kind of thing, but I just I really like his ceiling, man. I I the few grabs that he has made where he just he catches the ball and then that run after the couch where defenders just bounce off of him trying to catch him trying to slow him down and he's just throwing them off him like they're kindergartners it i think what you're saying is totally fair and it will it'll be fairly evident what what the georgia offense looks like this year uh once it kicks off but i don't know i just i have some some hope and some faith in him i i think that he can even with limited appearances i think if he can show off that physicality i think that he can end up being a piece that can surprise people
1: okay fun little fact about darnell washington is he actually ran the 100 meter for his high school really yeah so he used to run the 100 meter for track
0: was he just like counting on that
1: uh like that stride that like three I mean, versus was, stride yeah he was six seven, 245 coming out so holy moly i can't imagine he was running all that fast with that with that size I mean, it was a sub 12-second 100-meter dash. I mean, I like I like that. Yeah,
0: that's pretty good.
1: So always fun. But yeah, just to finish out the list, uh, my number five is Trey McBride. I, he's a good possession tight end, uh, and he was up there with wide receivers in college uh, for reception um, profile, reception yardage. Um, so he had the most yardage of tight ends. Uh, in college football, so something to remember. Uh, went to a good situation in Arizona. I totally agree with you, Corey. Like Him being able to learn from Zacherts is fantastic. It'll give him a year or two to be able to get into his own. And then what do we usually say about tight ends? Year three is their blossom year. So it should be perfect Perfect timing uh, for Zacherts to phase out and for Trey McBride to step in. Hopefully Trey McBride gets uh, a little bit more use uh, early on, so I would like to see him out there. But overall, we saw his production profile in college. We saw what he could do. Now it's time to take it to the next level.
0: Yeah, tight ends that have shown they can catch passes, man. That's always a good start, (laughs) saying that as I put Darnell Washington as my number five. Okay, great. Yeah. So that, that kind of concludes our, uh, our cornerstone rankings here. We didn't get a single cornerstone ranking from Eric, which I guess we're planning on maybe having a show where he just kind of speed runs all of them at some point, or I'm not really sure. We'll, we'll try to figure that out. Um, I'm definitely interested uh, to know what he's thinking with all these guys. I'm sure he has thoughts on some of them. Uh, he's another guy that, you know, watches college football, whereas it will be kind of my first year really keeping track of, of everyone here.
1: College football is right around the corner, and when college football comes around, that means the NFL is right here. So it's time to get ready for preseason and get our football nerds back in their chairs.
0: Oh, yeah, you watch any of that uh, Hall of Fame game? No. <laughs> I, watched, I watched a quarter and a half, and <laughs> I was on my computer just streaming it, and my wife was like sitting next to me on the couch, like watching one of her shows. And I, at one point, just like I took off my headphones. I looked over at her, and I, I just shook my head, I'm like, "What am I doing? Like, what? I'm watching, <laughs> I'm watching this game where these guys are just this is the Raiders are are putting out Josh Jacobs against these like second and third string t- defense of the Jaguars, and mm-hmm. and as it started to become like a blowout." where the Raiders like scored their like second touchdown or whatever. I was just like, man, I know that it's football and I'm hungry for it, but man, this is hard to
1: watch, bro. It is. It really is. Trevon Walker though. He looked pretty dang good. Yeah. he got a sack. You got a sack, right? Yeah. Like I, I watched the highlights of the game and from the, the short snippets of the highlights and from listening to others that watched the full game, Okay, they might not have screwed up the first overall pick. Good for the Jags.
0: Yeah, um, I totally agree. I think the other big takeaway that I had, which is, you know, uh, a takeaway you have to have with a grain of salt, but Zamir White was looking pretty good. Uh, I, again, against, you know, uh, a secondary that was not uh, the best of the best out there. But he, he had some runs where I, I was like, okay, it might be reading into it a little too much, but having Josh Jacobs out there play like the entire first quarter, he's going into his contract year, knowing uh, sort of the uh, the new coaching staff installed there is like a multiple running back kind of system. Um, look, I, I wouldn't be too, too surprised if uh, Josh Jacobs takes more of like a, you know, shared backfield role. And I wouldn't be surprised if Samir white by the end of the season, You're looking at him as the uh, Raiders' number one running back. on him <laughs> you know what knee technology is uh is really getting crazy out there man they could pretty much so what i've seen is they can pretty much scoop out your whole knee and put on like a fully robotic knee in and it's full bionics man where we're getting into the future
1: I, I mean technology is a good thing yeah modern medicine what can we say
0: yep and uh you know pretty soon we'll have like half cyborg football players out there and they'll have like uh x-ray vision and uh all mm-hmm. kinds of like predictive skills pre-cog stuff and that'll be really fun to watch
1: so we're almost there watch something like that be in the next cba it's like they're not allowed to get cybernetic enhancements <laughs> no cybernetics
0: <laughs> <laughs> i can see it i can see it yeah dude we're, we're not too far away from there with uh CRISPR and like gene editing and all that <laughs> stuff like you know that someone right now with CRISPR is trying to design like, their baby to be the next NFL superstar.
1: Oh, 100%.